Hi, I'm Eric, also known as v 47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape Podcast. You're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. It's morphin' time! It's the Ranger Command Power Hour! Today on the Power Hour, episode 196, Ranger Command interview, Simon Bennett, Dino Fury Season 2, recorded on March 10th, 2022. Welcome to the Ranger Command Power Hour on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. It's time to range up with your hosts. I'm Eric, also known as Trekkie B47. And I'm Zach, also known as Hollywood. This episode is brought to you by our patrons on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash rangercommandph to learn more about supporting Ranger Command Power Hour. Thanks to our $5 and above patrons, Charles D., Chris P., Steve F., AJW, Eric D., Jacob P., Steve M., Tyler B., Tyler W., Charlie N., Craig M., Liz M., Mason M., Jason O., Kevin R., Steve R., Hassan A., Bo H., Leland D., Josh P., Derek G., and Teresa B. for supporting us this month. Remember, you can go to linktr.ee slash rangercommandph for all the links to our show, as well as amazon.com slash shop slash rangercommandph to help support us on Amazon. Today we are interviewing Simon Bennett, best known in Ranger Nation as the current showrunner and executive producer for Power Rangers Dino Fury. Power Rangers Dino Fury Season 2, the first 11 episodes, are out now on Netflix. Welcome back to Ranger Command, Simon. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Funny enough, it's been exactly like one year and a day since we last talked. (laughs) I was just looking at the calendar. So, Obviously, a lot has happened in this year. We've had um, the ongoing work from home, the pandemic, to Netflix being announced as now the exclusive home to Power Rangers for Dino Fury Season 2. So just wanted to catch up and uh, how has your year been and maybe what some of the challenges have been to fully produce a season of Power Rangers during a, a pandemic like this? Sure. Uh, the year has had its ups and downs um, with the pandemic, definitely. We were very lucky in that um, we managed to complete filming of um, Dino Fury in a gap between lockdowns. And then um, pretty soon after we wrapped and we were in post-production, we went back into lockdown, which lasted for about four or five months. Mm. But because we were um, editing and working on visual effects we could and music, we could do all that remotely. So spend a lot of time in forums like this, dealing with people remotely, um, looking at my computer screen. But it has all worked out. And um, we're not quite finished yet. The, the final episode, we're still putting finishing touches on the visual effects for that. And um, that won't be finished for another couple of weeks. Excellent. And uh, I think you mentioned on Twitter, so you actually directed the last uh, two episodes for Dino Fury? Yep, it was, a, it was a treat. I mean, I've been a director since I was 18. It's the thing I enjoy doing most. But one of the downsides of the job I currently have is because I have to be across pre-production and post-production and keep an eye on the shoot for everything that is um, ongoing. Um, I can't generally take time out to direct because directing is a is a fifteen hour a day job. Mm-hmm. And if I if, and if I'm directing a block of episodes which lasts for say you know two weeks or three weeks shoot plus um, a couple of weeks prep. I'm not available for all the other things that are going on at the same time. So the risk is that um, 
things slip through the cracks that shouldn't do. But I could do the last two episodes because at that stage there was no more pre-production underway because mm-hmm. it was the final it was the final block of episodes. And also um being the very exciting finale with all the bells and whistles, I, I really wanted to <laughs> to play in that particular sandpit. So now that Power Rangers Dino Fury season two, the first part is out. Uh, you kind of opened up a little bit more on Twitter and are answering some questions, particularly that originally that Dino Fury was written as a 22 episode season, but also that season two was written at the same time as season one. So can you maybe break down the timeline of maybe the either the involvement or Netflix or when the second season got extended? It's all a bit blurry in my memory, to be honest, but I do know for sure that we were writing a 22-episode season. Um, it became 26 for a while, and then it was 22 again. And then quite late in the day, we'd already written a lot of the episodes. We found out it was 44. So we had to place those episodes that had already been written, spread them out throughout the 44 and write new episodes to fill the gaps. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously with some of the strong serial elements that we thought were important for the season, um, we didn't want to drop the ball on those. So we did look at changing the allocation of those beats so that nearly every episode advanced the overarching plot in some way or other. That was That was really important. We were delighted to hear that we were um, destined for Netflix. Um, Netflix have a obviously a huge international brand and um, streaming, I think, is the future of consumption of, of, of content. It meant that we knew our audience were able to binge watch rather than um, having to wait a week for each episode, which countered the argument that um, Power Rangers should um, only be writing self-contained episodes because little Mm -hmm. kids who are supposedly the target audience can't retain enough information to be able to follow serial threads when there's only one episode a week. So in the environment of binge watching, we actually had license to do a lot more um, strong and clear serial threads, cliffhangers. And I think when you do watch it continuously, the, the setups and payoffs and rewards for that kind of binge watching are are great the downside of course is it's all over in one or two evenings then you have to wait for a long a long time for the next batch (laughs) to arrive and also um i know there's another downside which is that the anticipation for the next episode coming a week away and the amount of online chat and um, discussion and what's going to happen next and what did you think of that goes away a bit mm-hmm. because they're all dumped at once. Everyone's watching them at slightly different times. No one wants to give away spoilers. And there isn't the same intrigue and anticipation for what's coming. And it, it, it's an intense short hit, sugar hit, rather than a, a, a three-course meal um, once a week for <laughs> three months. <laughs> so they are quite different beasts. But um, no, I, I love Netflix and um, they've been really positive and, and great to work with. You kind of answered it just then, but um, my question was in regards to the migration to Netflix and then learning that, you know, the back half of the season was going to be on uh, Netflix exclusively. Were there any kind of restrictions that lightened up that you could implement uh, while while writing season two? It was not um, overt, but yes, some of the, the, the mandates that had underpinned previous seasons of Power Rangers went away. So we were able to 
indulge, and by we I mean me and Baker and Alwyn and, and the rest of the writing team, were able to indulge our sense of what we would like to do in terms of giving each character a, a rewarding arc that plays out across multiple episodes. Previously, we'd only been able to do that for finales and penultimate episodes or mm -hmm. the first two episodes. And the other thing we were able to do was to give our villains a really strong and interesting arc. So they weren't just, we want to conquer the universe every episode. There was actually a story with twists and turns in it for, for Tarek and Santora. And I'm really happy with, with how that played out. And the other, the other thing that was no longer hanging over this, and this isn't so much a Netflix thing. It's, I think it's just about um, Hasbro and the, the, changing, the changing attitudes to what Power Rangers could possibly be is, is um, the idea that comedy had to rigidly consist of two beats per episode involving the comedy duo mm -hmm. uh, went away as well. So although we did have a comedy duo, sometimes they played a serious dramatic function, sometimes and often the comedy aspects of the show are shared amongst rangers or monsters or villains and wherever possible um, advancing the plot rather than being sort of standalone cutaway spin-off self-contained slapstick beats. So those are all things that we were able to and encouraged to um, improve on the show. And I guess the other thing was um, we were able to relax the style of the dialogue on Dino Fury. So mm. it's much more colloquial, contemporary and less, a little bit less moralistic and on the nose. And although Power Rangers has always had a strong moral core, it's good versus evil and there are lessons to be learnt for the kids, traditionally every episode, you know, a ranger had to make a transgression, they had to learn their lesson, and then they had to be the, the apology scene. Yeah. And when you've got those three beats, plus two comedy beats, plus a couple of monster scenes, plus two ground fights and a Megazord fight, there's your episode and there's not much room <laughs> for anything else. But um, by, by enabling us to make those moral lessons a little bit more subtle and allow the audience to draw the conclusions and deductions from what they were watching. I think it made the show a little bit more um, sophisticated and a little bit more contemporary, um, which is what obviously we are encouraged to and are trying to do. You know, that's something that I noticed from season one to season two was definitely those beats are, are spread out. So what was that like to get more of that breathing room from a writing perspective in the writer's room? Oh, it was great. It was great. Stuff that we would never have been able to do on previous seasons were kind of embraced and celebrated. The whole Izzy story, yes. um, Izzy and Fern relationship story, is probably something that wouldn't have happened previously, but it was um, it was encouraged and celebrated. Um, and, you know, we get a huge amount of support for that from both the people at Hasbro and Netflix. And I think it's fantastic. I think it's great that we're able to represent people in all their diversity within the show because the world is a diverse place. And that was one of my favorite just episodes and uh, was was stitched up where uh, Izzy and Fern go, go to prom, uh, which I really like the inclusion of the Garcia's mom, which, 
you know, it's kind of been a joke in Power Rangers that you only get a mom or a dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we don't see we don't see that whole family unit. So uh, the, the inclusion of uh, Mrs. Garcia was very much appreciated. And, and she's a great character so far. She she is a great character. It's it's like we can only ever afford one parent. So that's <laughs> all you get in previous seasons. Um no, I mean, we did have a, a strong brief from Hasbro when we very first started working on Dino Fury is that the parents shouldn't all be antagonists in the stories, that they wanted mm-hmm. to see positive relationships between the teens and the parents, and that's something we we tried to honour. And I know um, Warden Garcia had some real issues with Harvey and his music, but he also was incredibly supportive of um, Izzy, which I think is the way in some families. My parents <laughs> right. have favourites, and it's glaringly obvious. But um, we, we reconciled the problems between the yes. two of them way before the end of the season, and that was quite deliberate so that um, basically they're on the same side. It doesn't feel like we're stretching a, a antagonistic um, dynamic for longer than it should be stretched because... I mean, what's his issue? His issue really is that he thinks his son doesn't have any clear direction in life and is just just um, dabbling and floating and needs to settle down and make some decisions. Not that he hates his son playing music. The music is a symptom of what Warden Garcia sees as being lack of commitment. And when he realizes that Harvey is going to commit to music from a, a career and professional perspective, he's 100% supportive. That's an interesting family too, because they are they are step-siblings and yes. we get the sense that um, the warden and Rena, um, you know, they had prior relationships and then they met each other and they got together and um, when Izzy and Harvey were very young. And I think that's really cool because it's a modern blended family. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Rena is um, Izzy's mother and the warden is Harvey's father in terms of their genetics. Yeah, that that was just like a great storyline that um, I really appreciated just to show the, the evolution of that relationship in season two. One other question for like in regards to Netflix, and this is probably from like an editing perspective, um, but I noticed, you know, in season one and pretty much in past seasons of, of Power Rangers, there would always be like during the commercial break, there would always kind of be a scene in her lap where... Uh, you'd have some repeated dialogue or a repeated scene. And obviously with Netflix not having commercials, uh, that was kind of done away with. So was that just giving you a little bit more of a chance to pack a little bit more into each episode? Probably, but only uh, probably, you know, 10 to 15 seconds across right. the entire episode of, <laughs> of, of built-in recap. But it was it was good not to have to do that. We, we still go to black for a few frames at the point yeah. where the commercial breaks exist because in some territories the show will still play on on commercial television so we, we still have to allow for that but no it was it was really nice not to have to do the the recaps for sure with season two um obviously no spoilers um mm-hmm. but I'm curious as to which story threads uh the crew was interested in fleshing out and exploring a bit more do you, by, by crew, do you mean the cast? Or, yeah, or, cast, or, yeah, cast writers, <laughs> staff, anybody, anybody who, who you know, worked on this well, wonderful Well, yeah, the, the way it works is that by the time the cast and crew um, connect with the scripts, they're already pretty much finished. Mm-hmm. So um, they don't get developed further beyond the, the, the points that we have our 
heads of department read through and our cast read through. What we do with the cast is we have a table read before each block, usually three episodes at a time. And that's fun. And we have pizza and read the scripts. Uh, and, and what we do do is we check with the American actors that the um, that the language is correct, like because the, the writers are Kiwis, um, we can we can get the colloquialisms wrong. Um, and so the, the actors are very good at saying, well, we wouldn't say this or we might say this rather than that. Um, and so that feeds into the final published draft of the script. But we don't really change stories or scene structures as such. And, and the reason for that is uh, Power Rangers episodes are really complex to film with the visual effects, the action component, the two units, the matching Japanese footage. Um, and, you know, the directors of main and second unit, they have two weeks to prep, they have to find the locations, they have to storyboard, they have to work out the practical effects, they have to work out what the visual effects are going to be and how they're going to shoot those. So the, the prep period is absolutely jam-packed and what they don't want is scripts that are changing during that time because then all the energy and time you spend into planning gets undone and you have to start from scratch on something else. The scripts don't evolve once they're in full pre-production. Um, but having said that, there was a lot of laughter and a lot of engagement from cast and crew. They really enjoyed these scripts and you could tell because there was cheering and applause and clapping and laughter. Um, and I think that the crew really enjoyed making the season. Mm. Um, Power Rangers is always, you know, it's a great job to work on because it's fun and it's light and also you get to flex your muscles because you have to do stuff that you wouldn't normally do if you are filming sort of an adult contemporary drama, like, like, like the, the gags and the stunts and the, every script throws up a challenge. Like they want us to what, how are we supposed to do that? <laughs> and then, and then as a director and a, as crew and heads of department, you have to find ways of achieving what is sometimes uh, only exists in the realm of animation, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's live action. So it, it's, a, it's a fun show to work on. In my head, I'm imagining the, the first part of the first episode of the second season where you have Zeta running across rooftops and things like that. That was so cool. That yeah. was something I know it, we haven't really was. seen before and it was amazing to see it. It wasn't in the script. So that, uh, wow. uh, that, was, that, that, was, that was a brilliant idea from our, our second unit director, um, Kenji Sato, who, who um, he was new to the show for Dino Fury and he really um, wanted to push the boundaries of what was possible in terms of the action sequences. Uh, and, you know, both Yuji and Kenji, our two second unit directors, did amazing um, action work on this season. And I think it's it's pushed things beyond where they've been for quite some years. And, and the rooftop sequence was an example of that. And there's, there's more to come, but I, I can't oh, <laughs> give anything away. <laughs> but then there's some spectacular fights. And you've probably noticed that there is a lot more original footage than there used yes. to be. The, the amount, the proportion of Japanese footage that we use has got a lot less um, season by season. I, I think that's because people have got, better at making Power Rangers so we get a little bit faster so the level of ambition of what we can actually shoot ourselves gets higher and also um, when you do have to work around pre-existing footage mm -hmm. that can be time consuming and problematic in itself because you have to find location matches they never match quite right 
Mm. Um, you have to shoot bits of fights to join together the pre-existing bits, and that yeah. can be very time-consuming, matching continuity and making that work. It's actually much more fun, um, as well as challenging, to do something completely original from start. And there's been a lot more of that um, on Dino Fury, and there will be more to come in the episodes you're yet to see. Excellent. Centaura was a major focus as the new villain uh, for season two in this first half, with Void Queen's costume being taken from a completely different Sentai uh, with Russia Sentai Tokyujer, uh, that Madame Noir costume. Can you talk about that decision and what was available to use from maybe unadapted seasons of Sentai? Uh, sure. Well, we wanted a, an amazing villain costume. And we didn't feel that any of the other Ryu Soldier um, mm -hmm. villain costumes would actually do the job for Santora because we wanted it to be a, a female villain, um, to be Void Queen. And we knew that um, that particular uh, Sentai season was not going to get adapted. In fact, I think one costume had been used from, from it previously. Yeah, Cosmo, in, uh, Ninja uh, Steel. Yeah, yeah, Cosmo Royale, yeah. Yeah, so, so in a way, those costumes were there waiting to be used and they weren't going, going to be adapted in any other way. So we latched onto that one because the villain costumes from that season are spectacular. They're amazing. And, and that, that, that costume is my favourite. I really, I really love um, Void Queen, Madame, Madame Noir. I just think it's so detailed and rich. And also she's all purple, which kind of yeah. works with... Um, you know, the, the, the Void Knight suit and Tarek's colours and the whole villain villain palette is very much in the purples. And she's she's menacing and a bit gothic and, yeah. you know, quite dark in a way. I love the scene where, where she blows up the spaceship that Tarek has been working <laughs> on so they can fly off to their happy future together that never happens. Be careful what you wish for and don't. Exactly. Don't inject your loved one with sporex energy because yeah. it's not going to end well. <laughs> and don't leave your sporex unattended. Exactly. And speaking of Tarek, we had a very, very passionate confrontation between Zato and Tarek. Um, and that's something we haven't really seen on the show in some time. So when you're, you're coming up with that in the writer's room, what were some of the challenges coming up with that emotional aspect of the story? And props to, oh God, Russell. R Russell Curry. Thank yeah. you, Russell. I couldn't think of his name. I was like, I want to call him Zeta, but that's not right. Uh, Russell Curry's acting in that scene is so just, he's he's in the moment as the character having this internal conflict of deciding whether or not to trust Tarek. And it's a wonderful scene. It's great. I think he did a fantastic job. I mean, the whole episode is about trust and whether people can change or not. Mm -hmm. And Zato has very strong reasons for not trusting Tarek. And I think, you know, Tarek released the Sporex in the first place. Zato saw his own planet obliterated by Sporex, so he knows what's at stake. Also, Sato feels guilty for his part in having released the um, Sporex or approving the decision to release them back on uh, Rafcon. Mm -hmm. So his reaction to Void Knight turning good is complex. And I think Russell approached and, and, and managed that really well. It is a challenging thing. I always think the idea of villains turning good is a hard thing to make happen in, in a plausible and compelling way. 
And the thing about Tarek is he was never really bad. Yes, he made some dubious moral choices, but everything he did was because he wanted to revive his his wife who had been in stasis for all those years. Mm -hmm. And so his motivation was actually good. Some of the things he did to achieve what he wanted were, were challenging. But when he finds out what Santora is like and that his dream for the future is in, is shattered, he doesn't want to see humanity punished or, or, as Santora does. So um, he switches he switches sides, and that can't be easy for Tarek either. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're, they're actually quite complex adult issues that the characters are grappling with although it is still fundamentally a kid's show and, and that's the difficulty with power rangers is mm-hmm. is portraying those sort of challenging stories in a way that is going to hold the interest of the adult fans of the show and still speak to the kids who obviously buy the toys and the primary audience that the show is made for absolutely did you have any particular uh, favorite episodes from this first half of the season i mean i i really liked uh, uh paka's uh, intro yes. in in Tiny Trouble. I thought that was a, a hilarious episode and uh, very well done from uh, an effects point of view. And like I said earlier, I, I really liked Stitched Up and uh, continuing I- Izzy's storyline. But uh, are there any particular standout moments that you really enjoyed from this season? I think those are my two favorite episodes too, for, for the same reasons. Mm-hmm. I think Izzy's story and her relationship with her mom is truthful and heartfelt and you really feel for all the characters in that story mm-hmm. and also the the issue you know you know um izzy never wanting never having wanted to wear dresses or skirts or, or girly clothes and there's obviously a history between her and her mum of her mum wanting to dress her up and things that make her look pretty which is completely real and plausible for teenagers and parents and i thought it was well handled by the 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 actors and and the writers i thought it was, it was a very good episode that one it's also a payoff of uh when she debuted in her ranger form and just immediately ripped off the skirt now we get that context exactly exactly and you know a lot of work was done before any scripts were written about working out who these characters are and and mm-hmm. what they want and what what's central to them and so they they were all well formed in Dino Fury before the writing even started, um, which is one of its strengths. I think. I think the characters are all quite distinctive. They've all got their own wants and needs. They've all got their own problems. They've all got their own lessons that they need to learn. And because they're distinct and different, they work really well together as a team. So I'm really happy with that. But I also I did love the um, the Tiny Trouble episode with um, Baby Packer because she was so cute. And also, I think the the standard of the animation, the CG animation, is really, really high for that little creature. Yeah. Uh, and it shows what our in-house visual effects team are capable of doing. Again, a lot of what they have to do is to match Sentai footage. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, the, the rock wall that um, the Zord was buried inside, which looks quite unnaturalistic compared to the little Paka animation had to be as it was because we were using Japanese footage that involved Mm. that rock wall. So continuity from the Japanese show dictated what that looked like, Mm. but the animation of, of the, the, the Paka Zord um, was all, all original and worked really well. And um, I'm working on some mind blowing um, visual effects sequences at the moment more than which I can't say right now. <laughs> <laughs> you love to leave us with a tease, Simon. I love exactly. 
But yeah, that's that's one of the, you know, high quality, particularly Carol Petrie, who's been with the, the show ever since it came from New Zealand, visual effects. Uh, we interviewed her probably seven years ago on, on some of her past work. And um, it's, it's great to see her and her team continually evolve uh, the visual effects because I thought Baby Paca, it was just, it was really seamless and just everyone's eye lines and kind of matching that that visual yeah. prop that you guys made. Well, we, we had a practical prop that we used on set for eye lines and it was carried around and the head came off. So the body could be practical, but the head was animated um, in, in visual effects. Or sometimes it was a full animation, mm -hmm. but the actors always had something on set to interact with. Sometimes it was just a laser pointer on the ground so that the eye lines were correct. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone was looking at the same place. <laughs> Very nice. I think that uh, about does it. Was there anything else you wanted to uh, address to our listeners in regards to Dino Fury and maybe just what's upcoming in a little tease? <laughs> I think what I will say is that the, um, the reactions to the first 11 episodes of season two online have been fantastic because I do read everything. <laughs> and um, I'm so gratified that people are understanding it and enjoying it and following it and, and can see the love that's gone into making it because everyone cares deeply about making the very best show they can. And I think that that comes through. Um, the other thing is that people have understood that there's a sense of building story momentum going on and a huge number of questions left unanswered yes. and hanging in those 11 episodes. And that's deliberate. And in the, in the final 11 episodes, all I'll say is that there is a huge amount of payoff as well as twists and turns and surprises and some spectacular stuff. I'm excited. Yeah, we really can't wait to see it. And uh, we really appreciate you taking the time out to talk with us. So Simon, once again, thank you so much for being on the podcast and we'd love to have you back anytime. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Maybe we'll do a, a, a season two wrap up towards the end. <laughs> That'd be great. Then I can talk about these things. Exactly. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thank, thank you very you, much. Simon. Thank you thank so you. much, okay. Simon. See you. Bye-bye. Bye. Ranger Nation, let us know what you think. If you have questions, you can email us at rangercommandpowerhour at gmail.com or check us out at rangercommand.com. We're on Twitter at rangercommandph and on Instagram and Facebook at rangercommandpowerhour, all one word. Once again, we thank Simon Bennett for joining us on the podcast. Please watch Power Rangers Dino Fury Season 2 exclusively on Netflix out now first 11 episodes thank you all for listening and until next time stay tuned see ya bye you've been listening to the ranger command power hour only on the four-eyed radio network you can catch a new episode every other saturday find us on the morphin grid at www.rangercommand.com Follow us on Twitter at Ranger Command PH. Like us on Facebook and Instagram at Ranger Command Power Hour. Ranger Command is also on Patreon. Become a patron by pledging as much or as little as you like every month and receive cool perks. By pledging, you are helping us make our show even better. Go to patreon.com slash Ranger Command PH to learn more. Thanks for listening. <laughs>